0: Boy, headhunter. What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Headhunter Hideout. I am super excited today. I have Joe Mullings, who is the chairman and CEO of Mullings Group Group Company. He has been featured in Forbes, CNBC, CNBC, Business, Business Insiders, Yahoo Finance, New York Post, and Monster. And honestly, if you don't know Joe... And, uh, and you're in the recruitment industry. I don't know where you've been. Uh, he's got a med tech uh, recruitment agency that's killing it. They're just doing amazing things in the industry. And he's also a big inspiration for myself for producing content, producing high quality content. And, uh, and so I'm really honored to have Joe with us and uh, appreciate him being with us. And so Joe, why don't, uh, for anyone who doesn't know you, which I'm guessing is uh, you know, probably pretty rare. Why don't you just give us a, a quick intro um, and how you got started in recruitment, and then uh, we'll we'll get into the conversation
1: here. You got it. Well, thanks for having me, first of all, Joel, and uh, say hello to uh, Sean for me as well. I will. <clears throat> so I got started in the headhunting business in uh, 1989, December 2nd, 1989. I went to work for Management Recruiters International at the time, Sebastian Avolsi and uh, Bill Joe's two great, great guys. Uh, I knew I needed to serve an apprenticeship, so I. I did that for two years and when they hired me, I did tell them I was gonna hang for two years and then go start my own firm. Uh, I went to school as an engineer, University of Dayton, Ohio and got out of there in 84, spent a couple of years as an engineer uh, before that then. And about two years and four weeks to the day, I uh, went out on my own, uh, opened up my own firm down in Coral Gables, Florida. Uh, I partnered with my college roommate, Jim Weber, and those in the headhunting business will know Jim, he's probably the best. In med tech. He still has his own firm uh, and uh, quality and operations Uh, probably has placed a few thousand people himself. And then uh, built the firm up to what it is today. We're about 30 plus people run rate of over 10 million a year. Um, We've got our own uh, media company, if you will. And uh, we have expanded out to med tech and health tech, uh, which I'm happy to go into if anybody's interested on really the consumer empowered market that's coming out with intelligent consumer devices that people are now going to be pushing into healthcare rather than pulled into it because they have a disease so uh i I love the industry i love to challenge the industry uh and you know you just need to realize it's about the candidate you'll hear me use the word individual from here moving forward because candidate to me is just a terrible word uh they're individuals um and so it's all about the individual because if you can get the individual to follow you the companies will pay your fees and they will seek you out because the individuals trust you so that's uh that's my background 30 years uh new york boy hicksville new york and down here and live in beautiful palm beach i love it i love it and uh
0: yeah, I, I saw too. Is it your thirty-year anniversary? Early was it earlier this
1: month, or when, when was it? Yeah, yeah. So it was uh, middle of January. I didn't even know it. My team came to me, and <laughs> it was <laughs> it was my thirty-year of uh, starting the firm. Uh, I again, I was in. It's my thirty-second year in the business. Yeah. Wow, man.
0: Well, I, there's so much. That, I mean, we were just talking backstage, and there's so much uh, that I, I feel like we could talk about. Um, I'm, I'm curious to, to hear a little bit about, um, kind of some of the changes that you've seen in the industry. Uh, but I know, you know, you're talking about challenging the industry and obviously a big part of that, that I see is this digital transformation that's taking place with the recruitment agency world. So I'm curious to just hear how you got started, um, with your own digital journey, um, and, and kind of how that's evolved and then how you kind of see that. Evolving further as, as we go on. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I'd, I'd love to chat
1: with, about that. Yeah, so um, Gosh, it was 2015 maybe um, I had a big contract with Google and Johnson and Johnson. We were building a really sophisticated surgical robot and I had flown out Google and J&J had interviewed something like 27 different companies and they had 350 hires they had a make in Silicon Valley and um, uh, to build a surgical robot to rival intuitive surgical, which is a multi-billion dollar company. So I went out there, we won the contract and uh, I'm sitting there and they said, oh, by the way, uh, you can't show the robot. You can't talk about the robot too much in detail. You can't show inside the four walls of Google because uh, it was on the Google campus. And uh, we want the best in the business out of Tesla, out of you know Facebook, out of you know, all of the software companies. You still want this. I'm like, yeah, I got this covered. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> no pressure. Now, if you're a headhunter to hire 300 people and assume you put five individuals into each role and then if, assume, especially since Google and JJ, 5 interviews per position, you'll start doing the math backwards. That You're doing something like 15 interviews a day for two straight years. Uh, not tenable, Yeah. yeah. So I'm flying home and I'm thinking, how am I gonna pull this off? How am I gonna scale this off? And uh, social media just came to mind and uh, I said, like, let's just start telling stories. I won't show the robot and I won't be able to show you inside of Google and the R and the D labs there, but I can certainly tell you the stories about what they're trying to do. And, and that came up the construct of always talk about four things as a headhunter, whether you're doing social media or not, right? The market, the product or service in that market, the leadership and the mission. So that became us the construct, the four pillars on how you tell stories. And that's what you do when you pitch too on the telephone, not just in uh, 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 video or or even on your copy. And so I went home to my home office. I I, I set up a little Sony camera in my home office. I uh, made what I thought was a kick-ass video, direct the camera on how you wanna absolutely take this. I brought it inside to my wife and she goes, you look like a damn moron. You're going to embarrass yourself. <laughs> <laughs> so Best feedback
0: ever from the wife right there. <laughs> she,
1: she said, she said, uh, she said, listen, call up your nephew, Ryan. He just got out of Massachusetts film school, have him see if he can help you. Cause you are not going to ruin your career with that. And of course I walked back out through the courtyard to my office, you know, downtrodden and embarrassed, but as usual, she was right. So I called up Ryan and Ryan came in, he came down, lived to move to Florida, brought in, uh, uh, Christina, who was uh, his uh, one of his uh, friends and also uh, uh, teachers at the academy. And uh, we kicked off from there with two little Sony cameras, two young people who didn't know what was not possible. And I had no training in that. And, you know, we scrambled around, and there's still great footage online on that. And uh, Google and J&J gave us the thumbs up to create these great stories. I believe, and I need to verify, we were the first recruiter with video on LinkedIn at the time. We were definitely in the alpha and the beta. And, uh, we posted those online and we saw the impact it had. And then from there, we just kept on building and making, you know, everybody did back in the day, stupid memes at the time, cause that's what you did.
0: Yeah. And,
1: um, you know, just continue to evolve. And, you know, today we're a full production company of gosh, an aggregate, probably 7,000 square feet. Um, I don't know, 10 employees. We've traveled the world with true future. Uh, we're now getting hired, not even to do headhunting, but just to tell the digital stories about our clients and, you know, clearly, um, it's a beautiful platform to, uh, just raise up the industry that you're in. So that's, that's how we got started in the uh, digital side. And, uh, Love it was that. only five years ago, you know, we, we served that apprenticeship and we made sure I Could fix it. We made sure that, um, we, we learned it. It's, it's really critical to understand that anybody can aim a camera. Uh, And so don't ever be afraid of that, like you're gonna get beat out by a PR company. Headhunters in general are great storytellers if they're great headhunters, right? But they've been telling stories over the phone for most of their career. And so if if I leave you with anything today, here's what your goal is. As a headhunter who's migrating over to digital, you've got three categories. Already, most good headhunters are subject matter experts but they've only spread their subject matter expertise to the people they call every day. And if you really unwound a headhunter's desk, his or her desk is probably in the Pareto diagram to the same 500 people. So you're only reaching those 500 people with your subject matter expertise. The second you take that online, don't make it more complicated. All you wanna do online is the same thing that you're teaching the people in your expertise on your desk is you're now translating that to copy first. Don't go into video, copy, learn to write in those 1300 characters on LinkedIn. Now what you've done is you take that subject matter expertise and you've scaled it to the thousand or 5,000 or 30,000 followers on LinkedIn. You've now become a leader because now you're talking to people who never have heard from you before, weren't even aware of you. And then eventually your, your Valhalla is to move up to be the voice of your industry. Right, not many. There's usually one or two voices in an industry, so to speak. You know, I always aspired to be that in health tech and med tech. You know, one day I want to get there. And then (laughs) there there could be there could be five or seven subject matter leaders. Yeah. But the the importance is working on your copy, working on your writing. Don't overthink it because once you get your copy down, your camera work will be so good because you'll know how to communicate in these sound bites that are so important so subject matter expert if you're a big biller you're already there don't overthink it get a consultant bring somebody online don't hire a social media expert that you're going to blow through money and you're going to get upset at yourself get somebody like these guys and this is not an advertisement with joel and team get somebody who's been a headhunter who can then take you through that process and then from there you can amplify it based upon how much work you want to put in And then you can get to be a voice. And then what happens, why is this important? It doesn't replace the phone. What it does is it moves the phone further down the activity chain. But when you pick up that phone, everybody knows you. When you pick up that phone, you have automatic gravitas. You start to get heavy inbound business then, inbound candidates, inbound hiring managers with JOs. But you have to be patient with it. Media will not replace the headhunter. Headhunters who use media will replace headhunters who do not. That you can bet on.
0: All right, man. It's, it's, it's crazy because I'm gonna have to do highlights from uh f- from this live show. And I feel like that whole segment is just highlight and highlight and highlight. Um I'm I'm curious, and I just we got a couple people that are saying hi as well, so I just want to get to them. We got Sean just says two times legend. Um, Kevin says Yo from Seattle. Kevin is is kind of more up and coming on on social media. And then we have our guy uh, Adam. He said Where Beacon, but he meant to say Joel. This is my and then, <laughs> Beacon. Um, and then Adam just said, you know, just with what you said, boom. And obviously, you know, Adam's got a great thing going on with his podcast. Mm-hmm. He's got a great machine working, uh, and he's seeing a lot of growth in his business this mm-hmm. year. One question. I, I, I've got a couple of questions. I think the first one is, with everything that you said, and I know that you say this to you know a lot of the people that you consult with. What what do you think that the overthink? How much do you think overthinking and like overcomplicating with copy plays into the fact that it just? stops people from doing it. Like what, why do you think that is? And how do you work around that psychology when you're, when you're consulting
1: people? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've got quite a few people I consult with on this. Um, And the first thing they do is they get wrapped around the axle, forgetting what their first job is, is to be a communicator, not a grammatical expert. Don't proofread. Look, if you read my stuff, my grammar is atrocious. And uh, typically I don't proofread. I will get up in the morning. I'll go work out i'll do i'll I'll think of something and i i generate 80 percent of my content 15 minutes before you see it posted i think about it a lot and i just rip it out and invariably i'll proofread it after it's posted because i just want to get it out of my head yeah so i I share that because it's really important to understand you're a communicator what you here's here's a drill everybody who's listening who's a headhunter all you have to do if you're looking for content only spend your time unwinding the headlines, get 10 headlines a week in your expertise of your industry, read the article, then unwind it as an expert headhunter on what does that article mean relative to your industry? Either somebody was bought or there was an investment in there or they went bankrupt or they merged or they released a new product. Now reverse engineer that out with your expertise on what does that mean to the job market relative to the market you work in? because we lose sense of what we're great at. We're great at knowing where that career hockey puck is gonna be eventually, if you're really a student of your business in the companies we work for. And most of our individuals we work with, the candidates, they aren't looking at headlines like we look at them. They look at headlines as just as a consumer. We look at it as the opportunity to get a JO, right? A job order, an opening. And so if you start to unwind the headlines for the people who start to follow you, that is one of the best ways to just like lose all your or your or your challenges about creating content and just throw it out there. And don't worry about it being judged because it's it's gonna be. Um, but if you pull your punches when you know what you got is subject matter expertise and you actually have an intention to give, throw that out there. Don't put advertisements up about how many placements you make. Don't tell me what you built last month. Nobody cares about that. Don't tell me how amazing your firm is. Take the firm of communicator via education, unwind the headlines. And then there's a little something I put out on LinkedIn. Please look, I mean, on YouTube, please look it up. It's called the 10-4-2 strategy. It shows you, just put Mullings 10-4-2 on YouTube. It shows you how to get in the inner circle of any hiring manager on the earth within probably one week. It's, It's a lock. It's a lock. It's the best thing I ever hallucinated on a, it was like a Sunday Sunday morning afternoon in my garage gym. It's a lock. So check that out.
0: I love it. I love it. And definitely uh, we'll I'll post a link to in, in the comment section. Cool. Thanks. Thank you for tuning into this episode. I wanted to take a moment to introduce my sponsor, Huxo Media, are the world's leading content marketing agency for the recruitment industry. They're currently working with over 250 recruitment agencies that includes 3000 recruitment consultants across the world. They help them build LinkedIn brands that open up more opportunities by following a proven methodology daily. In 2021, the hugely successful Huxo Academy is changing. They have launched an eight week personal brand program, which you can roll out across your whole business. The Academy is aimed at helping traditional recruiters that rely on outbound calls to attract candidates and clients, those who often lack the knowledge of how to use LinkedIn for anything other than posting jobs and in-mails. They struggle with both the ideas and the confidence when it comes to producing relevant content. Post-COVID-19, we all know that the world is truly digital. The modern recruiter needs to have a unique and consistent LinkedIn presence that offers value to their community and drives opportunities inbound. The Huxo Academy helps every recruiter in your agency achieve this in eight weeks, enrolling a new cohort of training at the start of each calendar month. For the first 50 customers of 2021, they are offering you the chance to enroll unlimited users onto the program for 12 months at no extra cost. So you have 50 or 500 consultants now, or you plan to hire more throughout the year, you can rest assured that they will get all the training they need to build a brand that wins business on LinkedIn. Please click the link attached to this episode or DM me on LinkedIn to find out how your agency can join the program. If you've been in this academy, please add in some information about your experience. We'd love to hear from you and why you chose to partner with us as you truly believe in the impact it can have in the way that modern recruiters work. And I just saw it for everyone out there as well, I asked Joe earlier. I said, "Are you on Clubhouse?" He said, "No, I'm, I've got I'm 18, doing 18 hours a day, you know." Which, you know, I'm I'm questioning a lot of people who are spending a lot of time on there as well. Uh, but uh, I was we were chatting and we had a, we had a conversation on Saturday morning on that platform. Joe's not on the platform, and somebody brought up the 1042 strategy. <laughs> and I was just laughing that you know that to me that that's a sign that. Yeah, that, that what that's what makes you a thought leader when you're able to show up on other platforms without being on other platforms. Cool. Um what what about with like like fear? Okay, because I know you mentioned that a little bit with like the judgment piece. Mm-hmm. How much do you think fear plays into content and particularly with people that you're you're consulting that maybe been in the industry for a long time? Like how much does the fear of being judged or the fear of losing clients, the fear of putting yourself out there? Do you see that playing in there? Like I'd I'd love to get your take on that.
1: Well, I, I think the stat that I got from LinkedIn was less than one half of 1% of recruiters put content out there. Now, whatever their demotivation is, I'm not sure. But the flip side is, look at on the other side, what the opportunity is there. So your competitors are not putting out content. So as long as you don't put out something that insults other people, it's all upside. And again, your content should, here's what I do. Do I have my book with me? I got it over on the table there. I keep a book with me everywhere I walk, and I have Post-it notes. Think about the conversations that you have every single day, and you're talking about either a salary negotiation, a relo, thank you, Lily, a uh, relo, any of that stuff. What you want to do is as soon as you hang up that phone or you're in the middle of it, you want to write down the conversation you had, because what you did is you know when you hung up the phone that that was gold. I wish I could can that. And so what I will do is I will take that phone call. And again, salary negotiation, or I just had a guy say, no, I still work a desk all day too. Um, I had a guy turn something down today with a great client in Boston. Everybody thought it was dead. We went back to him. We had a very specific conversation. It was something I had not spoken about in a couple of years. I wrote it down. It'll be a posting next week. So your content, you're developing it all week on your desk. If you're a headhunter and we're saying things that nobody else hears. So if you take Unwind the Headlines, you take 1042, 2 and you take your post-it notes and just jot them down every week, there's your content for the rest of the week. And if you take an education mindset, man, it's impossible not to have content. Forget about the video camera, spend 120 days just writing, commit to it four days a week to post on LinkedIn and you'll get better and better. Now, I'm not gonna fib, there's a dude up in Chicago who's a headhunter, I'm not gonna say his name, although I should. <laughs> He wished me that I would die. He wished me that my ICD would stop working. This is the second time he did it for me. He is so bent up. I've had uh, to block him two times. With all the lovely words I get online, like he's the only one I think about. Look, I'm thinking about him right now. So yeah, you're not going to be able to ignore the haters or the people who have every shot to just go right by you or unfollow you or just keep scrolling but they feel compelled to have to call you out. Like, oh man. So, and you won't lose clients over it. In fact, your clients I think will be appreciative because what you're doing is you're lifting up the industry. Um, You're again, teaching mindset, and then eventually you never know where you'll go to. Because in the beginning, 100% of my content was purely educational around the med tech industry. Laser imaging, guidance, robotics, heart valves, uh, uh, implantable hearts, you know, neurotransmitters, but over the years, I gravitated to what I love to do is to inspire and teach. So my content went from subject matter expertise on exact technologies to now it's only about 20% of that. And the rest of it is pushing into the recruiting world, trying to motivate recruiters to think other ways and motivate companies to think about creating a hiring brand other ways and then on the inspirational side, which I've always been sort of a coach anyway. So,
0: Yeah, no, I, lo- I love that. And I, I noticed too, interestingly enough, a lot of people, um, and I'm on a lot of these LinkedIn conversations as well, um, a lot of people are downplaying the company page and they're saying that the company page, nothing's going on with it. And you have a great following on your company page and mm-hmm. you also get great engagement. So from a company page a, a strategy, is that... Like, what's your strategy with the company page I'd, I'd love to kind of hear how you're developing that because you're getting yeah. some i went on there I, I saw a post with like 250 likes which i mean for, for a company page it's, it's amazing and it was a link away from uh from uh, linkedin as well so i'd, I'd love, love to get your thoughts on that and if you think you know people should be using company pages
1: yeah i think it, I, I think you want to um triage it though right so i would always go with the individual page first um, because linkedin is really driven around the individual After that, the company page and the strategy we use on the company pages, I've got uh, Matt Kaufman, Giovanni Loricella, Holly Scott, uh, uh, myself, uh, Wes, I've got a lot of people who put out great content. And so what we do typically on the company pages, we have a team inside that will just review what got the best content on the individual pages, take that content, and if it was an article that was written um, or it was, uh, a video, uh, rework the copy, uh, and then put it on the, uh, company page. Uh, so we'll, we'll do that. But now remember we've got a pretty good menu to pull from. So we've got true future. Uh, we've got something called TMG pulse. Look that up. That's very interesting. It's a news aggregator. It's sort of like uh, Huffington post for our industry. it, it, it scrapes, I think like 40 something different sites for uh, news in the med tech industry every night. And we custom built that. So we're able to pull from a bunch of places. And I think we've got 40 something, 40,000 something followers on our uh, company page. Uh, and we think that's just as important, but I would, I would, from a resource perspective, concentrate on yourself. And then if you're running a firm and you've got two or three or four people putting things out, um, then go ahead and take the best of that week. Cause that's, that's data telling you that, the public likes it. So then yeah. share it with a larger group.
0: No, I love that. And you have, uh, you're coming up to 50,000 followers I on that. Just, uh, but uh, yeah, I was cause I was just curious. Cause a lot of times like I'm, I'm with you as well. Like I think if you've got, especially if you've got limited resources, the mm-hmm. personal page mm-hmm. is a great place to, to test things. Um, so when you're bringing new people on uh, to your company as well, like are you teaching them how to, how to create content? Are you building that in a schedule? And, you know, one of the questions I hear a lot is like, how do we keep our people accountable? So I'd love to kind of hear your take on that and how are you doing that? Um, and you know, you're using KPIs, like how are you keeping people accountable for content? I'd love to hear your take on that.
1: So a great question. Uh, we never force social on anybody. The one thing we do for, so we don't keep, we haven't kept phone time for probably two decades. We don't keep number of calls in the office. Um, uh, Paz has been in my office, there's one, There's a bunch of TV screens on the wall. The only metrics we track are LinkedIn. Followers, followers gained this month, regional location of the followers, titles of the followers. We don't even track our production board on those screens. We figure if those metrics continue to grow appropriately with the right followers and the right engagement, um, that will declare itself in production. It's a little more complex than that, but I'm just pointing that out from a KPI. When you join us, the KPI on social that we want is if you have great content, but you don't have a distribution channel, you have nothing. And so what we do is when you have a new recruiter come on, the KPI on social is how many followers did you increase on a monthly basis over your first six months? And we're looking for anywhere, I'd have to check with Christina, between 500 and 1,000 followers. You need to increase it every single month when you come in. Um, Because then once you put content out, it will be seen appropriately and leveraged so you can move from that subject matter expert to that subject matter leader. So too many people get fixated on content when they need to, on the other side, be fixated on building up their followers so their distribution channel is getting that content out. In our organization uh, we have um, an approach of if you want to develop content we will show you how we have our four pillars we have training programs on that Um, but if you want to do video we require you to write aggressively for at least 90 to 120 days and we'll have it critiqued and we'll explain to you why you want to grab her up front why you want to have one line up front leave a space And then break it down into little chunks. Nobody wants to read anything more than four lines in a paragraph and then leave them something amazing to think about as you go out the back door. Um, and, uh, don't ever paint yourself into a corner. Um, rarely will you get something that's an absolutism in life in general. So using words like it is going to be interesting to watch. I wonder if, um, have we ever thought about, right. Uh, I also am not a fan of asking a question for engagement. That's just a stylistic thing. Hmm. Um, I think we're smarter than that. I think we want to force ourselves to be more creative than that. It's a cheap way out of uh, trying to get engagement. If you're not writing well enough, challenge yourself to write better rather than end up with some corny question to drive engagement. And nobody pays attention to that anyway. So that's sort of our beginners when you first join our firm.
0: I love that. I love that. And we've got a, got a couple of people saying hi here. Tony just says, what's up, Joe and Joel. And then um, and then Adam here just said targeted connections. And uh, I didn't make that up, Joel. And, uh, you know, and, and you know, it's a, that's a cool thing with with Adam as well. I mean, he's got a very targeted, um, you know, niche of people that he's, he's got. So he doesn't necessarily have a huge follower count. But to your point, follow account matters. Connections matter but they've got to be the right connections and it's building that audience up strategically. So I actually, I love that you you pointed out that you look at like regions and I'm guessing that industry and title, uh, cause I think a lot of people, they get too caught up in, Hey, and I'll just connect with anybody or I'll just kind of connect with random people. So, uh, yeah, I love, I, I love that you brought that up. And, uh, and then just says,
1: right. I'm, I'm, I'm like, there's a difference, you know, you're going to have followers, you can have fanatics. And yeah. I would take I would take 500 fanatics over 10,000 followers all day long.
0: I'm 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 right there with you. And Tom just said, finally, someone said it, and the agree. Now, <laughs> I, I will say, like, on a lot of my content, I, I go back to this because I, I like to just play around. And I mean, I, I like to experiment. And mm-hmm. and so I actually recently, I, I instead of saying agree, I said concur. And that, and that one actually did, did OK. But I think to your point, it's. It's it's not just p- throwing that in uh, to, to try and get the cheap engagement, but obviously a lot of people who are growing on LinkedIn, too, they're, they're in engagement groups and they're just saying, great post, great post, great post. If you're looking to build strategically from a business sense, you've got to have that targeted audience and you're wanting to engage that targeted audience. with. It's called social comment. media
1: for a reason. It's meant to be social, right? I, I'm not saying you shouldn't ask a question. Yeah. What I'm saying is, is, have you really challenged yourself with what you're about to put out? Um, and if a question at the end of that is totally appropriate, but it's yeah. not a go-to because you don't want to think any harder, one of the beautiful things about the LinkedIn platform is it's by far probably 3x um, the intelligence factor of any other social platform. So it doesn't it doesn't suffer uh, uh, sophomoric uh, 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 behavior. And it shouldn't, and it never should. Uh, now, is, is posting social things on there once in a while cool? Yeah, I'm okay with that. Is political stuff good? No, I don't think so. Um, but I, I, I really think that you've got to respect the intelligence of your population on there and give them things to think about uh, and give them things to know that you're asking really interesting questions And um, that will drive dialogue in itself. But I think insulting with, you know, just for engagement, putting, you know, surveys on there or what think you, well, if you ask me what (laughs) think you, and I really put a thoughtful post together, I'm totally okay with that. But if you're just, you know, trying to get followers up or, you know, thumbs up or whatever they are likes, uh, I, 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 I don't think you're gonna have a long career in becoming a subject matter leader. Um, and adding value to your platform.
0: I love it. I love it. And, uh, yeah, I mean, i'm 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 curious, okay. so let's say if you're new to the industry mm-hmm. and you're thinking about putting out content, um, obviously it's harder it can be harder harder to position yourself as an sme in in an industry. So if you're you know two years in and you're, recruiting engineers, obviously you're going to have some insight. And I, and I also think it's fascinating that your background is engineering as well, because that obviously helps because you can speak the language. But let's say you don't have a specific you know, expertise and you're still wanting to put out content. Like how do you kind of guide that and how do you p- have people position themselves?
1: So, you know, the profile you just gave me, that's fair, right? You, you probably shouldn't be spending a lot of time on LinkedIn putting out content if you have less than a year or a year and a half in search. Unless, of course, you came out of that very specific industry and you know it in and out and then you just jumped over to search in that industry, that's a different qualifier. But let's say you're two years in. Well, you have probably, conservatively speaking, had 20 conversations a day over 400 days in two years. What is that? 8,000 conversations around careers. You probably have spoke more about careers in your industry than anybody else. And then you've also seen mid-caps, startups, big strategics, and you've seen the dynamics going on. I'm also assuming that we're talking to people who take this profession heart attack serious, right? Not people passing through or for lifestyle, but like this is what you want to do. You want to make 1 million, 2 million, $3 million a year as a headhunter, which is very doable. Well, that's why I go back to unwinding the headlines. If you can take a headline and then you can look at that headline and sit back and really... You know, the last two weekends I've done brain dumps from white pieces of paper because I'm getting ready for two big keynotes and I do a lot of mapping, I'm an engineer. And if you can then take that headline and start to reverse engineer it to, okay, what does that mean to the marketing people, the salespeople, the engineers, the supply chain? What does it mean to the software engineers? What it means to cybersecurity? Huh, who are the competitors in there? And now start to map that out. You then can take that headline And over the next week, unwind it for salespeople, for marketing people, for quality people. And because you know how the companies work and how your industry works and you know how to speak to that candidate population of quality sales, marketing, reg, whatever it is, do that. You're you're an expert already. And then just use words like it will, it could, it'll be interesting to watch if, if the whole Robin hood thing that's going on right now. Well, it'll be interesting to see what's happening in other similar sort of analog businesses or online. I can guarantee you if you put in Robin hood and you put in, um, Charles Schwab, there's going to be a conversation going on in there right now. And if you're in that market, you can unwind those three or four articles and start to have that converge on a thought from a headhunters perspective and careers. That you could then start to parlay into being an SME and an SML.
0: I love it. Well, I mean, and I saw those posts as well. And those posts, uh, one of those did amazing as well, which yeah. goes to show, you know, I think it's putting out that content too that speaks to the audience you're trying to trying to reach, mm-hmm. uh, which I think is a big, kind of a big mistake. And I know Tom. He just said um, you mentioned not insulting anyone. Thoughts on calling out the industry bad practice? So I'm guessing that's recruitment. It's no surprise if a recruiter posts anything about ghosting, they'll get engagement. Is there any substance to that? So what's what's your thought? Because that's been a big trend, you know, the kind of attacking sure. the ATS, ghosting. Right,
1: right. That's an easy one, it. and there's nothing wrong with that. But how about – that's an interesting one. So if we took ghosting or the ATM. So, so I got hit up the other day with uh, somebody, is AI going to kill us? I'm like, dude, first of all, if you really understand AI and algorithm and resume reading – Right. You've got to train that algorithm, right? And then with, to train that algorithm, you need the perfect resume or you need the perfect sets of resume, but it can't be a made up resume because then it's a biased data set that they're trying to pull this from. And see, this is the way your brain has to work when you start to look at you know, these, these applicant tracking systems. And then it still comes down to the human interaction. And think about who's reviewing the resumes that come out of that. There's some college intern. It's not a VP of HR reviewing those. It's like some college intern Who's just getting something spit out, and right? And, and so, on the ghosting side, as an example, um, you can always get yeah, burner. She's a witch. That's an easy one, right? But are you really having people go, wow? I didn't think about ghosting that way. And so then I might go after you know, ghosting is primarily the responsible of a CEO who's got a bad hiring process in place. And so maybe CEOs should have 20% of their bonuses built upon the candidate or the individual's job satisfaction in engaging with their company, right? And so with that, you know, maybe HR shouldn't be responsible for headhunting or recruiting because recruiting is an invasive, aggressive business if you have it in your company. And HR, they're farmers and gatherers. But, you know, 60 years ago, somebody said, ah, dump – Dump talent acquisition in HR because it has to do with people. And they're two totally different mindsets. Well, maybe have a conversation about that. Look at the sickness, but look back to why the sickness occurred systemically if you want to create great content. So, like, challenge yourself to say, why does ghosting happen? Because it, if it goes back to the core, it's the wrong people running the talent access business. HR is undertrained, trained under-resourced, overworked. It's not their fault. It's the CEO who has not realized that their hiring brand could be the most important brand, more than their brand on their product out in the industry. Because it's the, it's the person who's making the product that's more important than the product ultimately. And so when you start to unwind talent acquisition challenges in the marketplace, it usually will come back to lack of insight. CEOs have no idea. Vice presidents have no idea how to design a hiring process. Therefore they don't give their HR group the tools in order to do it effectively. And those tools being training or hiring the right person to realize it's two different sides of the brain. It's a hunter gatherer mentality. So yeah, I'm, I'm not a big fan of bashing things for the sake of, you know, the crowd frenzy. I'm a, I'm a fan of talking about what the problem is and then intelligently unwinding. And then those are the people you want following you. Is the people like, huh? Look what he or she did there. That's clever. I'm going to see what they say next week on another subject in our industry. So that would be my guidance.
0: Well, that's your response right there. Mind (laughs) blown. But it's. I think you know. I mean, obviously, the the vanity metrics and all of that stuff plays plays into content. But the question I get a lot is, you know, how do you develop that inbound lead? strategy and, and how do you do that and it's you know it's putting out that quality content that makes people think and at the end of the day most i'm guessing most of the people that um most of the people that you want to reach probably aren't hyper linkedin users they probably go on linkedin you know maybe day, maybe daily twice daily and but they're, they're looking for qu- quality so if you're just posting you know kind of the fluff i mean you might get fifty thousand views i get fifty thousand views on some of my content but mm-hmm. i found like the content that calls out you know, recruitment and marketing, those posts don't actually do that well, but they generate the most leads. So um it's it, yeah, I, I love that. So let me okay, so if, if you're if you're looking at the industry from five years five years from now, um, I know one of the things you said earlier was um, you know, content like huts up the the use of the phone. So I, I mean how how do you see the phone playing or like what role do you see the phone playing within our industry and like when how how quickly do you think people need to adapt like do you see if people don't make that switch to digital versus phone like how long do you think people really have within the industry given some of the shifts that we're seeing with with people in the workforce?
1: yeah, you know I, I think if you're planning on being in the industry for another five or six years and and not making much of a move over to at least some sort of digital transition, you're okay. I, I want you to think about this though so, the businesses that are doing well, let's go outside headhunting, all the businesses that are doing well in any industry, even in the middle of COVID, are data forward, are digital forward, no matter what they do. The food industry has gone there with this whole COVID you know, situation. Um, the, the way cars are sold, digital forward, right? A- everything, for the most part, is sitting on this. And all this does is represent a reduction of friction of communication and engagement. So let's just take that there. So therefore, all of the companies that are going to be market leaders in their space, if they're not already digitally oriented, they themselves are going to be out of business. So if you're a person who is not going to be digitally oriented, the odds of the companies that are winning, trying to find you, are are not going to find you. And then therefore, the companies that are not digitally oriented are going to very quickly be flattening out or even declining and have no money for headhunting because we're not cheap right and so if you just think about it that way is the organizations that are going to be hiring people are going to be looking for a digitally progressive partner in the business and it's going to have to be evidence based now do you have to be like this no you don't have to be like this we are we are i don't well I know for a fact there's no search firm in the world even in our close to our universe but we are, put it, push us off, we are not, we, we should not be considered uh, a benchmark to uh, aspire to be, right? Is if, if, if you are working in an industry and you are not pursuing a digital relevance on how you do business, you are not gonna appeal to the companies that are gonna continue to be growing and gaining market share year after year. So just think about it that way. There's no way that these, pick your industry expertise. They are absolutely looking for evidence. I, I can't find you on LinkedIn. Or if I find you on LinkedIn, you've got some you haven't posted in six months. I mean, there's not many companies that don't advertise or create relevancy or show their expertise. We don't even have to send out pitch decks anymore because we have demonstrated our expertise online every day. People don't even ask for the slide deck anymore. They just say, send me a fee agreement. I mean, that's an extreme right now. But that's what I'm talking about is you, you demonstrate your relevance and hiring managers, to candidates. Remember that, is, is those individuals who are active in the marketplace are on LinkedIn. And if you put out content good enough, their first stop every morning is gonna be checking out your, your, your feed. We hear that a lot. Like, dude, I can't wait to get on every morning and see what you're putting out next, right? Because it's industry related or it's personally development related. So I, I hope that answers your question yeah, is, does is if you're gonna just wanna bill 100 to $200,000 a year from home, you're probably gonna be fine for five to six years. But I think those firms that are doing a million, two million, ten million, fifteen million, million, 10 million, 15 million, if they are not all bought in, uh, I think there's a very, very good chance they become irrelevant uh, within two to three years.
0: Well, I'm, I'm 100% with you there. and. Uh... Yeah, is, there's so many different directions I'd, I'd love to go. I know usually um, I can wrap the show up at about 45 minutes. Um, and everything you've said has just been super high value. I think anybody who's listening out there, it's clear that on the headhunting side, obviously you've built an amazing business, uh, but on the media side as well. And I mean, I can just look behind you and see the the studio. Um, but I would just tell people, like, if you're not at – obviously not everybody has that level, but it's, it's thinking in that direction. And we were talking about this before, you know, it's, you started in a journey at a certain point and you just went for it. And now we're seeing, um, you know, years later, the, the fruits of of that original sewing. And I think for a lot of people, they can look at somebody who's doing something really well at where they're at, and you, you just need to start now because otherwise for five years, you're going to look again and you're going to see more people that have adopted it. And the only difference is, is you start something, you're consistent with it. So, so much value there, I appreciate it. I I'd like to end these shows because obviously the most of the people who are watching this are headhunters. And one of the questions I've been asking recently is, for just to, to that one or two people out there who's just starting out they're in a really unusual period, we're obviously still in a pandemic but they're just questioning whether or not they should be in this industry. Like, what would, what would your advice be to them? And like, if you could talk to yourself, uh, you know, when you started in the
1: industry, what, what would you leave them with? Yeah. I mean this from the bottom of my heart, we are moving into the golden years of recruiting. Why? Workforce, the world of work more in the last 12 months, I said 24 months more has changed in the last 12 months than the last 12 years. In talent access. Let's let's just in the world of work, let's forget about headhunting. There's a there's a split going on right now between those coming out and all, we see all these businesses, all these practices, all these methodologies clearly clearly going to be successful moving forward and others that are still at risk. Those are going to have to be staffed. Most of them revolve around technology, the high growth organizations, whether you're making electric cars, whether you're making uh, apps on a phone, whether you're making consumer products, intelligent consumer products, health related products, whatever they are. Over the next two to three, four years, you're gonna be able to get your legs about you, why? Because right now, human resources still has not be, been reimagined. What a human resources is gonna be doing over the next two to three to four years are gonna be environmental health and safety issues in-house, OSHA, managing the onboarding of um, employees, Think about a mixed uh, use workforce between contractors as well as full-time employees. So I would really look at getting into the contractor business. Um, They are gonna have zero time, zero time to go through the classic way that they attract talent, job postings, waiting for resumes to come in, onboarding. That's gonna all be outsourced. It's going to be a cost of business moving forward. That means headhunters. Now how you, is the headhunting business going to be $10,000 engagement, 30% fee transactionally moving forward? I don't think so. I don't think all of it's going to go away, but I do think that how you think about partnering with clients, how you think about charging them, how you start to become a talent access expert. Do you want a contractor to fill that Mrs. Hiring Manager? Do you want a full-time employee to handle that Mrs. Hiring Manager? You've got to have a full solution in your talent access um, sort of organization, even if you're a one desk office. But I think the next 24 to 36 months are going to be the most amazing time in the business. And you are gonna have to have a digital component to it because it's the only way you're gonna be able to reach out and scale your sort of touch points with the individuals in the marketplace. So listen, mark my words, we have seen it. We had a record breaking 2020. uh, And I think a lot of it was I said it years ago to Adam to Paz. I'm like, companies that build their brand, when you go into a crisis, come out first out of that crisis. And if somebody can dig up that footage and it's never held more true in headhunting, we blew out our numbers by 28% from the year before, which were another blowout year. And we've already done, I think we're at a million dollars in the first four weeks, five weeks of this year. Um, and, and we're great headhunters. Don't get me wrong. My team is amazing. I also attribute a lot of that to, um, the digital, uh, use of amplifying our great headhunters. So you're, listen, golden years ahead, bet on it. Absolutely bet the farm on it. Cause what else are you going to do anyway?
0: I love it, man. Well, I appreciate your time. I appreciate you hopping on here. I'd love to get you on, uh, again in in the future. I'd actually love to try and coordinate even to get Sean and, and pause on here as well and just, um, uh, just talk about a lot of the branding stuff, because I think it just need, especially for our industry, the more, the better. Um, but I appreciate you, you hopping on and anyone who's out there, if you don't follow Joe on LinkedIn, go follow him, uh, follow the company page, follow the YouTube channel, just follow, follow him and learn. And, uh, and we'll drop those links too in, in the comments. So I appreciate it again, Joe and everyone else. We'll be back next Monday, uh, with another guest and we'll announce that on Friday Appreciate you guys all out there. And now we saw Tom. Sean was was there as well. So Sean, great to see you. Ken said great info. Great to see you as well, Ken. Um and then Paz, Tony, Kevin, Jay, great to see all you guys. So appreciate it, Joe. And we'll uh, we'll talk soon.
1: Thanks. Be well, Joe.